0: That's right. I'm your host, Kurt Sandvig, and on this week's edition of Paranormal Almanac, let's talk about more creepy things kids say. You'll see what I mean in a second, but first, let's do the shout-outs. Shout-outs to the patrons. Head on over to patreon.com slash paranormalalmanac for even more. Paranormal Almanac. Uh shout outs to Gary, Tracy, Matthew, Sandy, Kelly, Menace the Beast, Kickass, Magic, Robot, Webcomic, Sandy Page, Kyle, Sean, Andrew Scott, Andrea Devin, Melody, Ricardo, Vicky, Christopher, Vanessa, Marisol, Liam, Roger, Michael, Terminal Animal, Alicia, Hecka, Elizabeth, Void Tech, Sherry, Artmuff, and Trudy, Tim, Kenneth, Paul, Ricardo, Ian, Jen, Alexander, George, Connie, Seth, Jason, Cindy, Kim, Ashley, What's That, Carrie, Ezra, Robin, Will, Lauren and Phil Mangano, Russell, April, Isabel, Audre, Dorian, Cindy, Bob, DeSean, Bishop, Sean, Stacy paula jerry leo Scostin, lindsey Hahn, megan matt amy jeff t harley suzanne joe lawrence hey howdy hi to Strong, veronica autumn j mark manning carolyn martin Jaden ashy chuck todd jamie and elijah hendrickson dan laura pitts and gamer fan with two special shout outs as always to joe teague and a stitch Alrighty, let's get right on in Hold on a second. There we go. Let's get right on into paranormal news. Ghosted demons that haunt the night. Strange objects fly through the sky. The shadows. Don't fucking shoot Bigfoot. Paranormal. Don't fucking shoot Bigfoot. Yeah, that's how we do it over here. All right, the first story in paranormal news, as you can tell, I'm kind of cruising through it because I got a lot to get to tonight. Uh, and there's only a couple of stories in paranormal news, but the first story in paranormal news Chris Maloney's haunted Hollywood Hills house sells to Red Notice director. Uh, Actor Christopher Maloney has a house in the historic Hollywood Hills that used to be the home of Ozzie and Harriet Nelson during the 50s and 60s. If you guys don't know anything about this, I actually did an episode about this house and the wacky, crazy, messed up, pervy ghosts that are there. But uh, the story goes on to say they'd also like to tell us about the time they placed double on the home of talent agent Ari Gold. Oh, I don't care about that. Blah, blah, blah. More recently, though, these walls probably could speak of the most current owner owners. Emmy nominated Christopher Maloney and his longtime wife, Sherman Williams, who have quietly sold the residence to movie director, producer Rawson Marshall Thurber uh, from Red Notice in an off-market deal for 5.9. Originally listed for 6.5 in 2020. Don't care. Let's get to the spooky stuff. Uh, basically, it's a very spooky house. Uh, it's got um, five bedroom, seven bath, 5,200 square feet, detached guest house. And where to get to the ghost stuff? You Come on, man. Uh, upstairs is all gorgeous and pretty. Outside is also pretty. It's actually a very pretty house. But they go on to say that the house has been known to have been haunted since it was first owned by Ozzie and Harriet Nelson. One of the ghosts might be that of Ozzie Nelson himself. They threw classic parties at this house. It goes on to say, let me skip through this, classic parties at the house, everybody who is everybody from Hollywood ever went there, and uh, things move, they hear voices, sounds, shadow people, and uh, not more than one person thinks that the ghost is that of the Nelson himself. And like I said, I actually did a whole episode about it. So uh, not just about it, but including it. So go ahead and listen to that one. It's a crazy, weird, pervy ghost that's over there. All righty. Up next in paranormal news, I'm not going to read this whole story to you, but uh, it's something that I've talked about before. It's a theory that's been out there forever, but for some reason it's back again. Ecology professor theorizes Loch Ness monster may just be a whale penis. I don't think you need more than that. You kind of know. If you don't know what a whale's penis looks like, make sure you Google it. It does look like a large pink Loch Ness monster sticking out of the water. Um, Yeah, you know, it's a theory that's been going around forever. There's no whales in in the loch, so there's no reason for it to be a whale's penis. But uh, they do think that a lot of the, you know, there'll be monsters that are here and a lot of the old maps from people that were sailing around the world back in the day when they would see the monsters, what they were seeing a lot of times were whale penises. So, whale penis Loch Ness monster strikes again. Not a monster, not a penis. Already up next in paranormal news, Nessie resurfaces as first official sighting of 2022 recorded. That's right, she's back. Um, And the name, you'll know the name, it's the same guy, O'Fatigan. He captured footage again online. Seems like all this guy does is, is watch for Nessie online, and rightfully so. We all should be taking a page from his book, going online, checking for Nessie, reporting all the Nessie sightings. This guy's going down in history as like one of the best Nessie sighters. I was going to say hunters, but he's not really a hunter. Sighters in the world, and he's doing it from the comfort of his own home. He said, I've been watching the live footage for a couple hours, then suddenly it appeared. He felt that he was onto something when he viewed the footage. Taking into account the distance from the webcam to the object, I would estimate nearly a mile away. It had to be rather on the large side. He guessed the creature might be over 13 feet long, about three to four feet out of the water. He noted that anything smaller than that wouldn't have been seen due to the range and shot and the resolution of the webcam. They made no further impression in the water after watching the webcam afterwards for another hour, so I have to believe they were a live creature of some sort. They go on to say that he's been watching the camera for a number of years and visited the lock, so is well-experienced in what is a known phenomenon. Yeah, good on him. Again, Nessie, not going away. 2022, already getting some sightings in. Again, the same guy. All righty. Let's, uh, eh, you know what I was going to say, let's, you know what? I'm, I am. I'm, I'm going to cancel. I'm going to close up the old uh, paranormal news there, Bag there. It's, uh, let's keep on moving on. But before I get to the actual episode or, or you know, like, hock my merch, if you will. I want to take a quick moment to say that four years ago this week, Art Bell passed away. I can't believe it's already been four years. But, um, you know, the early shows, his early coast-to-coast work was brilliant. There were no judgments. There were no underlying agendas. There was no—it was just good, old-fashioned, paranormal content. Anybody could call in, he'd listen to their stories— Believe a lot, not believe some, but it was always interesting. And he really seemed down to earth, loving the paranormal. Now, you can go into his later work and some of the weird political stuff that he went into, but I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about the classic Art Bell. Art Bell, coast to coast. But when it was good, it was great. And he honestly, he really inspired a lot of what this podcast is, what Paranormal Almanac is. I love doing the live shows because I love hearing from people. And I'll I'll walk with you down that path for as long as you want, hoping that it's real. And then if it turns out you're just trying to get me, okay, good on you. Who cares? But if you weren't trying to get me and you were just telling a story that was true to you and was worrying you, there's no judgment. There's no anything. I just want to hear your story and and just talk with you about it. And that's what that's what uh, Art Bell did and did it did it so well for so many years. So you know, cheers to you, Art, wherever you are. I really hope that you made it to the other side like you wanted. That you you got all those answers to all the stuff that you wanted, the paranormal and the cryptid and everything else that you wanted. And uh, I'm gonna turn up the mic, uh, Art Bell, if you want to say something. From the other side, no pressure, no nothing. uh I'm just a fan that I would love to hear from you so I'm gonna let the mic go silent for five seconds. Don't skip ahead maybe you'll hear something. let's hope that Art Bell will say something. All righty with that, uh yeah again, cheers to Art Bell. A legend in the paranormal community, especially but with his uh, early shows. Absolutely incredible. Alrighty, uh For merch, there's been a lot of people that are asking about the new merch. Yeah, there's tons of it. I mean, anything you can think of, really. I There's dozens of styles. Um, I've been creating the majority of them myself because it's just stuff that I want to wear, and I've been buying, too. I've got to buy my own merch, but I don't care. I'll gladly buy it. Um, it's just cool. Go over to tpublic.com. Slash store slash paranormal almanac or go to tpublic.com and just search for paranormal almanac. There's a ton of re- really, in my opinion, again, I, I designed most of it. There's a ton of really cool merch that I hope you guys like. And I can't wait to start seeing more and more photos. I've already seen a couple of them. More and more photos of you guys wearing the merch. I just think it's absolutely incredible. And I, I absolutely love you guys for it. Alrighty, let's, uh, what's going on with my music? Well, I want to play. There we go. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back because there's a lot of show to get to and I want to get right into it. We are back. Okay, I figured on this edition, I figured let's do some more creepy things that kids say, more reincarnation stories that kids are bringing up. It's kind of like a sequel to like two different episodes, but two different episodes that are Some of the most requested or most liked or the most like, oh, that episode got me. It was creepy as hell. And I agree. Those those kids are creepy as hell. So I figured let's do a sequel to two different episodes and creepy kids that, creepy things that kids are saying about reincarnation. Lately, before I really get into it, I just wanted to take this second. Lately, I've been thinking a lot about reincarnation. Well, not lately, that's not true. Always. I'm always thinking about reincarnation. Like, what are the rules? You know, all I and every time I say that, all I can think of is from It's Always Sunny, like what the are the rules? Rules? the rules? Uh what are the what rules? Are the Who rules? makes them? The what religion rules. has kind of gotten this right about not only reincarnation, but about but about death and the afterlife and you know where we move on to. Why, if you're in a better place, you know, say you pass on, you go to a better place, because that's what everybody keeps saying, always oh, in a better place. Why would you want to come back down for another round of this shit? Why would you ever want to be reincarnated? Do you get to pick? Do you get to say, like, yeah, you know, I've been up in heaven for, or wherever, you know, use your afterlife thing that that, that appeals to you. Because, again, I don't think any religion's got it quite right. But I'm in the afterlife. I've been here for, you know, 100 years. I kind of want to go back down and run another round in on Earth. Do you get to... Do you just kind of like watch everyone and go, yeah, yeah, they seem like a good mom and dad. I want them to be my new mom and dad. Or or and if you do get to pick, why would anyone pick to live in a war-torn area or a miserably hot area or a miserably cold area? Why isn't everyone picking like, or a poor area, why isn't everyone picking like famous parents? Like, yeah, I want to be Jack White's kid or, you know, pick the celebrity of your choice. I was just randomly looking at something blue and thought Jack White, but like, you know, because his hair is blue. I know that, you know, blue and white are two different colors. Just walk with me here. Uh, But why isn't everyone up there trying to be the next child of insert billionaire here? You know, like what exactly are the rules? How many times do you have to come down here and reincarnate? Because there are some beliefs and some religions that after a while you kind of get it right and you get to stay in the afterlife or level up, if you will, if you want to, you know, like use a a video game analogy, is it at will? Do you do you get to like, do you have any say in it at all? Or are you up there just kind of chilling in the afterlife and the next thing you know, like, ah, oh, crap, I got to do this again, I'm being born? If you reincarnate, then why do dead people, or like, you know, like, if it, all right, say say reincarnation is real. Let's go down that road. Reincarnation is real. Why do people see their dead loved ones right before they pass over then? Why aren't all those bastards down here living some other random life? And if you do reincarnate, then who do you look like on the other side? You know what I mean? Like, oh, I've been, I've been up and down there like 15, 16, 17 times. Which me am I going to choose for the afterlife? Look, I don't expect anyone to have the answers to any of this. So if you're, if you're spouting out answers while I'm asking these questions, while you're driving or walking or you know, working out or whatever, thank you feel free to share because I love other people's, you know, opinions about reincarnation and the afterlife and who makes the rules and what are the rules. But, uh, this is just the shit that kind of runs through my head when I should be sleeping or when I'm walking rum or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I don't get it. Who Who is the, you know, who's designing everything and making up these fucking rules is all I'm asking. So, Let's talk more about reincarnation, because like I said earlier, creepy things kids say are some of the most downright terrifying things, and then you throw in reincarnation, that's downright terrifying when a kid says something that isn't like normal kid talk. And as we learned in the last episodes about these topics, it seems like kids either remember or or maybe tap into the paranormal until, like, around six years old. That seemed to be, like, six to eight seems to be the cutoff, the sweet spot being under five. Basically, you know, just old enough to talk, you know, while fresh from the oven. But um, they can still remember something about their past lives or can still see the paranormal or have a paranormal connection. The veil's thinner, however you want to word it. But for some reason, these kids that are again, just old enough to talk, what is that, like two or something, I'll say two, two to five, seem to be really connected to the other side. So basically what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read you a bunch of weird as hell reincarnation stories and see if that convinces you of past lives. And yes, I do know skeptics that the ones I read later on from Reddit could be all bullshit. So grain of salt on everything else I'm about to tell you about this episode, but I really like these stories. I really do. I don't. I wouldn't like to be the parent in when these stories happen because that's scary as shit, and I don't need that kind of pressure. I don't need my two-year-old to walk up to me and tell me how they got murdered in a past life. You know, shit's hard enough as is. I'm just trying to make it through the day, trying to figure out what I'm going to have for dinner. I don't need that kind of crap. But up first is a story from online about Sam, who is two years old and just flat out said to his dad one day, when I was your age, I changed your diaper. That's creepy. That's a weird thing to say. And from that point on, Sam would say other things. So his parents kind of started piecing together the things he would say. And they figured out that Sam believed that he was his dead grandpa, Ron's father, his dad's father, to be exact. Now, I should pause here and say if your kid says something like this about reincarnation or about ghosts or the other side, for fuck's sake, ask follow-up questions. Here's your chance to have almost a firsthand uh interaction with the other side. So yeah, like your kid says something weird like, hey, when I was your age, I changed your diaper. Follow up, be like, what? What are you talking about? What do you what do you mean? And then when he says, Oh yeah, I was your dead grandpa in a past life. Ask follow-up questions. Ask questions that only the dead grandpa could know. Now, thankfully, Ron and Kathy, the wife, did that. They asked Sam, well, how did you come back? He said, I just went whoosh and came out the portal. Okay, pause again. Portal? What the crap? How does a two-year-old know anything about the word portal? And where's this portal? Where's the other end of this portal? What the hell? Is it technology? questions, so many questions already, but I'll continue on. They said that Sam spoke in full sentences from the age of 18 months on. They asked him if he had any siblings, and he said that he had a sister who, quote, turned into a fish. They said, well, who turned her into a fish? And he said, some bad guys. She died. Here's where the story goes really off the rails. So Sam's grandfather had a sister who had been murdered 60 years earlier. Her body was found floating in the San Francisco Bay. Now, Ron and Kathy then asked Sam, do you know how you died? And they said that Sam kind of like, you know, jerked his head back and slapped the top of his head as if in pain. Here's the other part of the weird part of this. His grandfather had died of a cerebral hemorrhage. Now, this case, I got to say, was investigated along with a bunch of others in the UVA case studies on reincarnation. So hopefully they did the due diligence to confirm that all of that crazy cool information about, you know, like the sister dying and being thrown into the bay and the cerebral hemorrhage. But I'm going to go ahead and say that they did. But strange as hell, right? Right out of the bat, strange as hell. Now, I want to talk to you just a touch, just very little bit about the UVA studies. And it's direct from their website. So let me pull it up real quick. They said it's been 50 years of research. It's the Division division of Perceptual Studies at the University of Virginia. And it says that over the last 50 years of active research, the UVA DOPS faculty have collected 2,500 cases, most of which have been found outside the United States. Members of the research staff at the Division of Perceptual Studies have published numerous articles and books about these cases. And there are. There's tons of them. Of these 2,500 cases, over 2,300 have been coded and entered into our SPSS database to date. During most summers for the past 15 years, first-year UVA medical students, research interns, assist us in coding the field notes on 200 variables. They develop research projects based on access to the original research files. So basically what they're doing is they're using science to explain the paranormal. The thing that I keep talking about for the past 180-something episodes, actually well over 200 episodes, but for the official ones, not the live ones, 180-something episodes, I believe that science will explain the paranormal. And these that's exactly what these guys' work is. That's what they're trying to do. They're looking at it from a scientific aspect and making, like, check notes in the files about, like, yes, this, this, this. They're going down a scientifically determined route of questions and then using them to make case studies. I think it's fantastic. I think it's absolutely fantastic. And it goes on and on, but I don't want to get too, you know, into the weeds about it. I just wanted to tell you a little bit about their website because a couple of these cases, a few of these cases all come from that, those case studies. Um, oh, I forgot to do that Hold like, hold on a second. Uh, nope. Yeah, there we go. Just a heads up, in case you guys don't know, we're now within the 20 episodes to the 200th episode. We're in the the 20-episode countdown. Number 20, I believe, is now, if not 19 even. So we're very close to the grand 200th episode of Paranormal Almanac. An episode so massive, three years in the making... I cannot wait to do it because then it'll be off my plate and I can stop thinking about this massive episode that I have to do that's coming up very quickly. There's going to be interviews. There's going to be follow-ups. There's going to be patrons, which I'm really looking forward to. Again, in case you don't know, in case you missed it, patrons. The entire 200th episode, all of the ads on the 200th episode are going to be patron related content. Like if you listen to the, the patrons, uh, the shout outs in the, in, you know, at the beginning of every episode, there's already a patron who's already, you know, pimping out his product or their product. I should say their product. Cause I don't know. It's the kick-ass magic robot Webcomic. So that's awesome. That that's cool as hell, but just wait, because I'm going to pimp out every one of the ads to be patron related. And I'm very, very excited about that. I'm sorry. I know I'm already into the episode. I should have done that at the beginning, but it just dawned on me right now. But uh, but yeah. So again, you got like 20 episodes until that one. So if you want to be a patron, now's the time to do it because only active patrons will get the ad on the 200th episode. All right. Here's a little bit about uh, this next one. It's another one from their case study that UVA studies. It's from Oklahoma four-year-old boy named Ryan, so a little bit older than the last one, he would wake up screaming at two in the morning, begging his mom to, quote, take him to the house where he lived before. So she asked him some questions, thankfully, good mom, and he said that he lived in Hollywood before and it was in a big house with pools and cars and saying, I can't live in these conditions. My last home was much better. First of all, F you, little brat, get a job. You're four years old. Take what you can get. I didn't have crap. I didn't have a pool. I didn't have enough of that. Come on. But, um, Here's my what are the rules part of it, because his mom said he was like an old man who couldn't remember all the details of his life. He was just so frustrated and sad, wanting to go back to the big house, the pool, the cars and everything else. So, hey, uh, four-year-old Ryan, why'd you pick this family then, huh, little punk ass? So the next morning, she went to the library. She got a bunch of books about old Hollywood and showed them to Ryan. When they came to a a still of a scene from the 1932 movie called Night After Night, he went, whoa, there you go, Mama. That's me, the old me. She said, I was shocked. I never thought we'd find the person he thought he was. Now, Ryan had talked about his other life. He'd been so unhappy, and now he had something to go on, so it gave them like kind of a glimmer of hope. He insisted he once lived in a house in Hollywood on a street with the name Rock in it, where he had three sons and a friend named Senator Fives. All right, long story short, they verify the man in the photo was a film star named George Raft, and the other man was Martin Martin, who died in 1964. Upon contacting Martin's daughter, she confirmed Martin was a Hollywood agent, lived on North Roxbury Drive, had three sons, and once met with New York Senator Irving Ives. Senator Fives was Senator Irving Ives. Now, after meeting with Martin's daughter, the boy, the four-year-old Ryan, completely lost interest in those memories. They said that he was standoffish at the meeting and told his mom afterwards that his daughter's energy had changed, and boom, that ended his past life. Apparently, he became like just a normal kid again. Very weird. It seems to be another thing that seems to happen more and more is when they kind of resolve those that past life when they meet with a family member or the person that murdered them. There's crazy stories from the last episode about that. The last one I did about the reincarnations where they meet with their murderer, they kind of just go, okay. And then they're just kids again, which is weird. So is Martin Martin still inside Ryan? Does he remember it at all? I don't know. It's again, what are the rules? But all right, this next one is from Seattle in 1991. Two year old, Sanam Wangdu and I know I butchered both names I apologize but you know what he should forgive me cuz you'll find out in a second he said he was actually the 4th reincarnation of the original Tibetan lama Dejong Rinpoche Rinpoche oh, I already forgot how to say it again grain of salt but apparently they confirmed with him at, you know at 2 years old about the visions of his mother and her own lama the words of the 3rd reincarnation of that guy Dejong um, who back himself, he formed his acolytes in 1987, the year of his death. I will be reborn in Seattle. In case you've already forgotten, this one I'm talking about is from Seattle in 1991. Now I'm going to read this next part from the UVA cases about this study. In 1996, the boy left his family forever to be raised by monks while studying Tibetan Buddhism in Kathmandu, Nepal, and eventually becoming the head of a monastery there. Arriving in Nepal, dressed in gold and maroon robes and riding on a luggage cart pushed by his mother, the little Lama smiled wildly. In a 2016 follow-up story, tracing the boy's journey over the past 20 years, when asked how long he would stay in Nepal, though, the little boy was serene, almost stoic. Lots of time, he said. I'm just going to stay here a long time. This boy is now, the 20th, is now in his 23rd year of life as the fourth reincarnation of Dijon Rinpoche, whatever. Um, so, yeah. That kid was uh, had a lot of info and, you know, didn't, you know, as soon as he heard about his past life, didn't give up on it. Nope, he leaned into that freaking heavy, and he's continuing on. The 23rd, or I'm sorry, the 4th reincarnation of this same llama. So that's kind of crazy cool. And that also kind of leans into the, does religion play into reincarnation? Because that seems to be the case. UVA studies, they said that most of their studies are outside the United States. And a lot of them are talking about, um, like, uh, like, Hinduism and Buddhism. There's a lot of connection to the Eastern philosophy and reincarnation. But here in America, they seem to be catching up because more and more of these stories come from kids in America. Alrighty. Up next is from Louisiana. Eh, I'm not going to push the button. Four-year-old James Leninger. And I think I've done this one before and maybe the last episode, but just in case I didn't, I want to include this one. It's very quickly, but i it's just for some reason, I think I've done this one. So if I have, just listen to it again. It's going to take a minute. Uh, it's another one of those where the kid remembers the war. And trust me, there are a lot of these where kids are like flashing back to like NOM and World War One and Two and I get it. It's traumatic. I get that war is traumatic and would leave a mark on you that will last you basically until the next life. But still, there's crazy amounts of these stories. Um, So again, four year old kid named James. He said he was once a World War II pilot who had been shot down over Iwo Jima. When asked when he was two, uh, I'm sorry, not when asked when he was two, he woke up from a nightmare yelling, airplane crash, plane on fire. Little man can't get out. Then he was asked some follow-up questions. And he knew details about World War II aircraft that were impossible. Like, for example, his mom referred to an object on the bottom of a toy World War II plane as a bomb. James corrected her at two, saying it was a drop tank. He's right. Or, when he and his parents were watching a History Channel documentary, the narrator called a Japanese plane a zero, and James was like, no, it's a Tony. Yep, right again. All right, so thankfully they asked him a ton of questions, and he said he'd been a pilot named James in his previous life, and they had flown off a ship named the Natoma. They did some research, and they discovered there was a World War II aircraft carrier by the the name USS Natoma Bay. In its squadron was a pilot named James, James Houston, who had been killed in action over the Pacific. Basically everything this kid had said. All right, up next is a very short one. It's about a guy named Vladimir Levinsky. Now, he lived in England in the 1930s and was a piano protege. He was able to teach himself to be a concert pianist. When asked about lessons, he would say, I have no time for them. I have a technique of my own. He said that he was the reincarnation of Franz Liszt, a German composer and pianist. Didn't ever give up on it, just knew it for fact. And that was it. He went on from kid on, is a piano protege because he was already one in the past life. That's kind of cheating. Is that how all you dicks are doing it when someone's like, oh, I've never played the guitar before, and they pick up a guitar, and in one week they're, like, rocking out? Is it because you have past life experience with these guitars? Because that's not fair. Are these instruments? Because that's not fair. People like me that, like, struggle to learn to play an instrument, and these little bastards are just, like, picking it up like it's nothing. That sucks. You guys are cheating. That's cheating. That's a life hack. That's a video game cheat is what that is. Alrighty, next up is five-year-old Luke, who his mom thought was acting a bit odd. He would call all of his toys and objects and basically everything Pam. Now, she asked him why, and he said, well, I used to be Pam. He said that he had black hair when he was a girl, so she asked him a bunch of follow-up questions, like why and who Pam really was, and he said, I was Pam. Well, I used to be, but I died and went up to heaven. I saw God, and then eventually God pushed me back down, and when I woke up, I was a baby, and you named me Luke. All righty. I don't want to piss off God because, you know, obvious reasons, but I saw God, and then eventually God pushed me back down. Didn't seem like uh, Pam got a lot of say in this. Seems like God was like, eh, I'm kind of done with you, Pam. Just go the fuck away for a bit, and pushed Pam back down, and he became Luke. That's a weird one. Now, Luke also told his mom that he lived in Chicago, took the train a lot, and died in a fire while making a hand gesture of someone jumping out a window. Remember, this kid is five. That's creepy as fuck. Now, so the mom kind of, like, um, checked out the information online, and guess what? She discovered the news story about a fire in the Paxton Hotel in Chicago. In In March of 1993, 19 people died in a fire at that building, and a woman... This shouldn't be surprising to you at all. Named Pam Robinson died when she jumped out a window. Creepy. Alrighty. next up is two-year-old Lee. He told his parents they get another house and another mommy. By three, he told them his birthday wasn't June 21st. It was actually June 26th, and his middle name was Ko. He then went on to ask... They, they went on to ask him a bunch of questions. He went on to tell them a bunch of shit about... That he used to write movies for a living, had a daughter named Jennifer... And then he died when he was 48. So they keep on, you know, pressing him for more info. And he started saying movies, they started saying movie titles until he they mentioned Gone with the Wind. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I wrote that one. Again, shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. They Google, search uh, Gone with the Wind, and the writer of Gone with the Wind, the story, was a man named Sidney Coe Howard, born June 26th, had a daughter named Jennifer, and, yep, passed away at 48 righty up next is an, uh, another bizarre one at the age of one and a half one and a half Nazi el-danif of Lebanon shocked his parents and said I am not small I am big he insisted he had many weapons including grenades and lived in a nearby village so years are going on he's still not giving up on this crap and they keep he keeps asking to be taken to his old home in uh a town in Lebanon that I can't pronounce. Cabr-Shamon. Sure, why not? Kabrishamun. It sounds like something Michael Jackson said. About uh, it was about ten years, ten miles away from his village. So he was six years old, and his parents are like, "Fine, you won't shut up. Let's just do it." So they go to this this home, this cottage in that town, and he speaks with um, this person named Nadia Kadaj. Now Nadia and and the kid Nazi they're having a conversation that he shouldn't know anything about. And she's like, holy crap, this kid is the reincarnation of my husband. And he can't know, how does he know this shit that he knows? She said that he was was astounded because he would answer all of her questions correctly. He remembered who built the foundation of their home, the specifics of an accident when she dislocated her shoulder, an incident when their daughter became ill by ingesting medicine. Then... He quickly ran to a cupboard in search of his weapons. Remember, he said he always had a bunch of weapons. And she was like, holy crap. That's the exact cupboard where her dead husband kept his guns and grenades. Thankfully, they weren't there. It wasn't like he, you know, some six-year-olds running around with fucked up memories with the grenade and guns. But uh, yeah, weird one. Really weird. Next one is Arthur Flowerdew. Another one I think I talked about before, but it's a real quick one, so I'll keep going. Um, He had all these memories about a desert and a temple carved into a cliff. Then he's watching a BBC documentary with his parents and he saw the city of Petra. And he was like, holy crap, that's the one. So years go by, he's telling everybody his story. Someone from BBC kind of gets... Word like hey, when I was a kid, I thought I lived in Petra when I was in a past life. So they're like, you know, this is weird. Let's let's do this. So they flow. They flew him and uh, several other archaeologists to Petra, and he immediately started recognizing landmarks with ease, including this is where it gets weird, including sites that had been that had not been Oh my goodness, I can't talk. I'm so excited. Including sites that had not been excavated yet. Now. They uh they asked him to they 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 asked him about this thing. I, I'm trying to think of the best way of describing it. So they show them this weird object, this ancient device, the archaeologist that is, and they're saying we don't know what this thing is. We have no clue. So what is it? And they said he offered a plausible explanation regarding its use, and was right. After seeing a guard station, he said, "Oh, and that's where I died when I was stabbed with a spear." Crazy cool, huh? Um, I I dig these. That that was an older guy, though, so it's not so many creepy kid things. That's just straight-up reincarnation. All right, this next one, Babro Carlin, Sweden, 1954. All right, so from the time she could talk, she started just straight-up telling her parents a bunch of weird crap about Anne Frank. And they said they had never told her about Anne Frank, but Kurt here, she probably learned about Anne Frank in school. So she had enough of the information, but that's just a guess. I know it's 1954, so maybe not, but for you skeptics, that's going to be my theory. But she said that she was Anne Frank. She talked about all of the incidents that happened to Anne Frank that we all know about. Then she went to uh, Amsterdam. They took her to Amsterdam when she was only 10 years old. She led them to Anne Frank's house with no directions. All right, that's interesting. She identified a spot on the wall where Frank had hung photos of movie stars and noted that steps were different than what she remembered. All of that information was confirmed by the people at Anne Frank House. So crazy, crazy weird, huh? Maybe she is right and the skeptics you can screw off because that's a lot to get right. righty, for this next one, <laughs> this is going to be very quick. Uh, this next one is about a celebrity that's in the news a whole hell of a lot. Her name is Kim Kardashian, and she says she knows son, Palm, Psalm, son Psalm West is Robert Kardashian Sr., her father reincarnated. So let's go to a very quick E! News story from 2020. She said that when Kim Kardashian was pregnant with Psalm West, a medium in Bali told her that the baby would be the reincarnation of her late father, Robert Kardashian Sr. In an exclusive interview, blah, 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 she said, my son, Psalm is probably the happiest baby alive. He's always smiling, always happy. Bringing up moments from, uh, she said, our show, we showed We showed that we were in Bali and a woman, a blind medium, came up to me and said that I was going to have another son, that it was going to be my father reincarnated. She had no idea. She went on, no one knew. No one on my crew knew that I had a surrogate that was pregnant with a boy. Uh, I'm trying to find some other cool stuff. Well, I have to tell you, please tell their mom this is a family member of hers reincarnated. Oh, someone else said that as well to her. So it's already two people. It's kind of weird. Um, he's left-handed like my dad. So all these things happen. I don't even know if I believe in reincarnation, but I do now. Now I want to believe it. Huh. All right, that's about it. That's about it. the important stuff for the story. So even Kim Kardashian is saying she believes in reincarnation now righty. up next in this one, not in Paranormal News, in this story, a uh, three-year-old boy said that uh, he liked his new daddy, even though the reader was... Oh, here we go. I get it. So this is one of these uh, Reddit ones that are very short. There was a three-year-old boy that said that he liked his new daddy and that... Um, The guy, the dad was like, what do you mean new daddy? And the mom said, why? And he said, well, my old daddy was really mean. He stabbed me in the back and I died. But I really like my new daddy. He'd never do that to me. Creepy. Uh, This next one, again, these are all going to be from Reddit this point on. So take him with a grain of salt, but some very, very cool ones from just, you know, regular people on Reddit. After being scared of rainy days, four-year-old Edward Austrian started complaining about a severe pain in his throat. Whenever it hurt, he told his mom that his shot was hurting him. And his mom was like, what do you mean shot? What are you talking about? She started asking him some follow-up questions, and she found out that he said that he had been in the trenches, she thinks, World War I. He told detailed stories about his life, about being shot in the throat and killed. So he kept having this throat pain, this shot pain, and doctors couldn't figure out what was causing it. So they said, well, it might be tonsils. Let's take out his tonsils as a precaution. And then even though they did that, he developed a cyst that no one could figure out how to treat. After his mom kept talking to him more and more about his past life, it kind of faded, and the cyst disappeared. So again, there does seem to be something about that, you know, figuring out what the, what they have to do in their past life, or they want to just talk about it and get it out of their system so they can kind of reset and be the new kid. This next one says, since as long as I can remember, I've had vivid dreams about being a serial killer from the 40s or 50s. I lived in an old farmhouse in the middle of the woods, secluded from everyone. I buried my victims, all women with medium-length jet black hair and very pretty, on my property. There are at least 50, if not more. I've been dreaming about this guy since I can remember, and the details never change. I don't have a name or a location, but it bothers me enough that I tried searching, and I don't think I was ever caught. Oh, as a serial killer, I get what they're saying. Sometimes I have moments where I generally genuinely miss my old life. In this life, I wouldn't hurt a fly and I've dedicated myself to helping people. Sometimes certain situations trigger feelings that are not really me and I'm not sure where they come from. It's always the same type of girl, always the same thoughts of how to disable her in her order to get her back to my place. I've come to terms with it and pass it off as an intrusive thought, but I've never wanted to act on it in this life. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing that a serial killer would say. They'd be like, oh, but I never really... I mean, you all know, I'll think about dismembering a girl and disabling her and everything, but I wouldn't do it. Like, come on. Someone watch that kid's Reddit because they're, they're going to go back to their past life and serial killer again. Uh, this next one says, I knew a guy who thought all things paranormal were nonsense and laughed at the mere thought there could be truth to anything outside of what was quote-unquote accepted. He told me a story, though, that has really surprised me. He was in his late 50s and his entire life, for as long as he could remember, he had a dream that he was standing in a field. It was always the exact same layout, rolling hills. He could see the tree lines from his vantage point. The only real landmarks were a lone tree and a wooden fence. Every time during the dream, he felt as if he was a young boy and could, quote-unquote, feel there was a large group with me. A large group of me with him, seemingly behind him. He never told a soul, not his wife, nor his kids. One day he took his family to Gettysburg while on vacation. The exact vantage point was the Union High water line during the battle. It definitely disturbed him, but he still refuses to believe in the paranormal. I added that one because I love it when someone says, like, I get that all the time. Oh, I don't believe in the paranormal. Then they tell me a ghost story or that they saw a UFO or something. It always cracks me up that you can't say, I don't believe in paranormal. Here's this paranormal thing. All righty. Up next, my brother was about two or three. told us his name used to be Austin. One day, we were picnicking right alongside a cemetery when my brother took off running toward the gravestones. My dad and I followed him and found him touching a large headstone that simply read, Here Lies Austin. No name, no date. My brother did not learn to read until he was six. Again, this was in about two. Um, and this headstone wasn't even right... Wasn't even right out visible from where we were, but yet he ran right directly to it. Well, there you go. I mean, that kid, I would find out more about that, Austin. There's got to be more info. Like, that's weird. righty. An American professor, Dr. Ian Stevenson, has spent his career traveling the globe recording and investigating counts of reincarnation. If you haven't figured it out, this isn't a reincarnation story. This is about someone who's looking into it scientifically. His most frequent subjects are children that are less than five years of age. And his theory is that they were not old enough to talk. They were old enough to talk, but too young to be taught to disbelieve in such things. And he says that uh, he thinks that's the key to past life uh, remembering, basically remembering past lives, is if they're old enough to talk, but too young to be taught not to disbelieve stuff, the veil is thin. And you'll get more stories like you're about to hear right now. Next one says, She asked if I remembered when she died or when her family died. This is her daughter. My daughter then told me about her three brothers that died and their names. Sadly, I've forgotten them since now. That sucks. I mean, you gotta, if your kid tells you they died before and her three brothers died, at least write down the names. She's like, Then her parents died, then she died, but she was a boy. Then she came to this family and she likes it better because we have, fam- we have medicine that works in this family. She said that uh, her daughter then grieved for her old family for about an hour and the mom tried to help her get through it. She was six years old with autism and a speech delay. I was still quite shocked for her to relay the whole story to me. The next day she told my sister the same thing almost word for word. This next one says, My three-year-old said, I was your mom in heaven multiple times. When I was 6 weeks pregnant with her, my mom died unexpectedly. Now this is the day that she found out the secret that I was pregnant at 40 with what would have been her last and 21st grandchild. We were going to surprise her on her 71st 75th birthday 2 weeks later but a niece let the secret out. When my girl was 4, when my girl was 4, we were looking through picture boxes. I have no family pictures posted in the house. Later that night, I realized my girl took three pictures of my mom and put them in her room. She's never even seen pictures of my mother before, and I asked her why she took those pictures, and she said, because I'm pretty. I like that one. This next one's real short. My father told me there is apparently a Chinese belief that children before the age of three are more connected to the past life, the transition from death to rebirth, and can even see ghosts, and this is why kids lose their memories after three so they can't reveal these things to us. That's cool. That's kind of creepy. I like that. Because it does seem to be the the way. Like, I can't remember crap when I was prior to four or five. Maybe five, I would say. So maybe that is it. Maybe I knew a whole lot of cool shit about the paranormal. I've forgotten it all. Damn it, Mom. Why didn't you write it down? Uh, this next one says, My grandmother passed away about ten years ago. We were very close. and my whole life, she would always told me that she would be my guardian angel after she died. When my daughter, now five, who was three at the time, had terrible night terrors and would have a hard time going to sleep. I would spend the evenings with her, comforting her, to get her to sleep, reading books, talking to her, etc. One night we're talking about what to do, what you want what to do what do you want to be when you grow up, I see what she's saying. She kept telling me that she used to be a grown up. After prying and asking what she meant, she told me that she was a grown up, that she was a grown up and used to be my grandma. She then told the story about when I was young, I had I had an accident and was burned when helping her cook dinner. Now it's something that I'd never told her but did actually happen. It completely creeped me out at first, and she's never really mentioned anything else like that since. Not much of a guardian angel, Grandma. I mean, you can do a little bit more. Uh, This next one, I have a few, all the same kid. First, when my son was three, he told me that he he was once kidnapped and the police accidentally shot and killed him when they were trying to rescue him. When he turned five, he told me he'd never made it this far. Also, when he was five... We drove past my grandparents' old house. They have been gone 16 and 18 years now. He told me, I used to play in that house with Pappy, her dad, when I was little, except the house used to be white. Guess what? The house did indeed used to be white and had been painted ugly gray. My dad also had nine siblings, three of which died in infancy. Uh, Note, none of the siblings were shot by the police. A set of twin boys were born prematurely in the 40s, didn't survive a week. My aunt died of internal bleeding in the 50s at age two. So kind of like tying up some loose ends in her story. Um, But I like that one a lot. This next one says, my son was three at the time. We were at a ceramics place and I was taking a wheel throwing lesson. And he says to this lady, I saw you in the fire. Did it hurt when you got burned? I was there, but I couldn't help you. Creepy. Uh, She turned white as a sheet and explained to me that when she was a young girl, her house caught fire and she was badly burned. She told me that she used to tell her family that she was followed by a little bo- that she followed the little boy that she'd never seen out of her room and then out of the burning house. She is sure that my son is her guardian angel and that he was sent to tell her this as an older lady to make sure she always remembers. We became pretty good friends until we moved away. My son is now 16 and doesn't remember much about her. He does have faint memories though. Oof, that's a whole hell of a lot to unpack for everybody in that story. This next one, when I was younger. I would sleepwalk, apparently appearing to be fully conscious, uh, appearing to be fully conscious. conscious. Jesus, Kurt. Then lying down and going back to sleep like nothing ever happened. There have been times my mom caught me opening windows in the middle of the night. Another time when she was in the kitchen reading the paper and I walked in, made myself a glass of orange juice, drank it, then went to sleep at the table in front of her. One time my mom and dad were watching a World War II documentary late one night, something about the push into Europe and a massive tank, uh, tank battle, probably Erichkort. I walked downstairs, and my mom, uh, my parents told me to go back to bed, and I said, I want to watch the battle again. Parents said, I've never seen this documentary. I said, no, but I remember it. We were in that one. It went boom, points to a specific tank in the middle ground. I remember the one behind us going boom, too. So the, my mom puts me to bed, saying I was talking nonsense, comes back and jokes to my dad. Dad says he's not so sure, because while she was putting me to bed, both of those tanks that he pointed to exploded. The one in the rear first, followed by the one I pointed out. That's crazy cool. All right, let's keep going. I got tons of these. When my sister was three, she would go on and on about her brother, Brian. We were all girls, and we didn't know what she would have where she would have heard that name. But it was all Brian does this, and Brian and me used to do that, on and on. Thinking Brian was an imaginary friend, I asked her where Brian was now. She said, he's dead. I am too. The bomb got us, and our house is gone. Creepy. All righty. Apparently, uh, this next one says: Apparently, I used to always have a cr- always creep my mom out when I was really young by singing a full song over and over again whenever I was in the tub. She said she had no idea what language it was, but it was always the exact same words. She swears it wasn't a child's gibberish and was obviously a full language, just not native English. Our native English. I try to remember it, but I just can't quite get there. I do remember singing it, though, and then one day not being able to sing it anymore when I was probably six or seven and being distressed by the loss of it. I wish I knew what the hell it was. Whoa, that's crazy weird. And it sucks because nowadays there'd be a bunch of, like, cell phone videos of the kid singing in the bath or whatever, at least, you know, the audio of it. This next one says, my three-year-old niece in a hotel near her home said, I've been here. I used to sit in this chair and knit. Wouldn't say anything else when pressed further. Another time in an antique shop, we looked at an old school desk with a flip-top lid, and she said, hey, where's the inkwell? We didn't, we, it seems strange because she'd expected there to be one, but we don't know where she would ever heard of an inkwell before. Yeah, it is weird. I would bet money that my, my nephews who were in their teens wouldn't know anything about an inkwell. So three-year-old, that's weird. This next one says, my family took everyone on a trip to see their old neighborhood. They drove by a house about 15 years le- earlier. A little girl was hit by a car and died. My cousin, who was about four at the time, who had never been in that neighborhood and never heard this tragic story, stopped what she's doing and said, oh, that's where I died, isn't it? Then resumed playing with her dolls. Creepy. I should I should have recorded just me saying creepy so I could just keep creepy. Um." This next one says, I was raised Roman Catholic. My son is raised Roman Catholic, but I was dating this Muslim guy who would do prayers constantly. This particular day, my boyfriend was playing a prayer from YouTube that is supposed to protect you from gin. My three-year-old son, not gin the drink, gin the, you know, the genies. And again, there's a whole episode. You, you got to listen to everything. My three-year-old son looked up from his coloring book, clear as day said, now they'll be gone for 1,000 days. My boyfriend looked him dead in the eyes and was like, how did you know that? My son smiled, shrugged, and then continued to color. My boyfriend explained that if you recited that specific prayer, it was supposed to banish evil spirits for 1,000 days. To this day, I still get chills when I think about it. My mother was also super freaked out because I told her, Daddy used to be my baby, but I drowned when he was my size. I was four. My grandfather drowned when, he, when my dad was four. Oh, wow. So it's a, a mom and her kid, both reincarnate stories. That's cool. This next one says, when she was around four years old, my friend told her mother, I'm not coming back here again, mommy. This is my last time. Her mom asked her what she meant. and She said, I will never be alive like this again. I'm not coming back here. She's in her late 40s now and is the head of a large Buddhist group. See, there you go. There's one for you for that, you know, what are the rules thing. So how many times do I got to do this crap until I don't have to do this crap anymore is my question. Not that it's crap. You know what I'm saying. You know, life sucks. It's hard. Get over it. Make yourself a grilled cheese at night, Kurt, and relax. All right, this next one says, my daughter was three or four. She kept asking me, mommy, do you remember when we were little and I was big? I took good care of you. We went to the store all the time. Then when her little brother was born, she asked me if I could call him Augie, pronounced Augie. I asked where she'd heard that name and she told me that she would made it up. Here's the thing. My great-grandfather passed away August 31st of 2001. She was born September 7th of 2011. My great-grandfather used to take me to King Supers for a, a few times a week and had a dog long before I was born named Augie. Had a hard time wrapping my brain around that one. All right, this next one says, This is about my sister. We've always called her a baby genius. She's always seemed like an old soul. I remember when she was four, she was playing in another room, and my mom was cleaning. My sister comes into the room and asks my mom, have you been cleaning because it really smells like ether in here? As in the surgical um, anesthesia used in the Civil War. I'd never even heard that word before. When we asked her how she knew the smell of ether, she said, it was all we used to use. Yeah, that's weird. That's freaking weird. Uh, next one. When I was young, I really wanted to learn Russian, so they got me into a class. In general, Russian was easy to pick up and use. It sort of, quote, made sense to me, and I would I could construct complex sentences. The teacher told my mother that it was spooky because I could speak in a way that I hadn't been taught yet. I could figure out colloquial phrases even. Colloquial phrases even. To this day, I still have it, and I haven't lost my Russian. So that one didn't go away. That's cool. It's kind of like that, uh, that pianist dude that kind of just leaned into it. Next one says, I was in the early afternoon. It was in the early afternoon of Halloween. This is a rough time of year for me because my first child was stillborn near this day. I was sitting in a chair in the den. My husband was at his desk in the opposite side of the room when my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter was moving around the room, not really doing anything. As always happens on this day, my thoughts turn to my stillborn daughter. Suddenly, my daughter plops a book onto my lap. Remember, she's two. She can't read yet. Additional note, the walls of the room are pretty much wall-to-wall books. Now, the book that she had given me, oh, the book that she gave me was the book that I was given to me after the stillborn. It was a pagan book for grieving parents. Startled at the coincidence, I just started, I kind of stared at the book. My daughter, again, two years old, flipped open the book, pointed imperiously to a paragraph. I I obeyed and I read the paragraph. It was talking about a child who dies, might reincarnate back into the same family or somewhere nearby. So I wondered where my child might have reincarnated. My daughter patted me on the leg and said, "I'm right here, Mommy." Up until those words, she had never spoken anything out loud. If that one is real, that's creepy as hell. If that's real, that is insanely creepy as hell. Um there's a little edit, the book was Our Child Our Children Forever. Um you can find it on Amazon apparently. It wasn't any specific type of pagan, but more uh, definitely a New Age spiritual book rather than the big three, if that makes sense to everybody. So there you go. If that one's real, creepy yeah, shit. Also, uh, you know, stop being creepy. It's Halloween time. Up next, uh, more things that I'll never be able to explain. He knew his old birthdays, his departed wife's old birthdays. This two-year-old baby was inconsolable that he didn't get her, his wife, something for her birthday, which he remembered. This is a very small sample. I spent six years splitting time between now and years ago. He remembered old family members members, and a thousand things that no one would believe. Also, a few years ago, he was maybe six. He said, you know, mom, I think it's pretty cool. You were born and you get to live and then you get to do it all again. That's a real glass full kind of thought. All right, let me pause right there. We hit the one hour mark roughly. Uh, What do you guys think? Is it cool that you get to live again and again and again? If given the choice, would you stay in the afterlife? You know, assuming it's all like, you know, clouds and harps and shit or whatever whatever you picture the afterlife to be cool. You get to hang out with, you know, friends and family that have died in the past and you see old dogs and stuff like that. Or would you come back down and do it all again? There's your question. All right, I'm going to keep moving on. Alrighty, my friend had a miscarriage before she had her first daughter. A few a few years ago, when her daughter was about four, a group of us were at a party, and her daughter was sitting on her lap and said something along the lines of, I'm sorry I left you before, mommy. I was hurting really bad and I wasn't ready. My friend asked her what she meant, and her daughter said she had left before left before she was born, but came back. It was super creepy. Daughter doesn't remember this conversation and still doesn't know about the miscarriage. Until now. That's right. One of you listeners, this story was about you. I don't know, maybe, could be cool. Up next, uh, when my youngest daughter was about three years old, she would often get very upset and I, and insist I help her find her kids because they needed her. She said she was in a car accident and died, but her two children in the backseat survived and needed her. By the time she was five, she no longer remembered this, but for almost two years, she had an intense drive to find her kids and let them know, quote, their mommy was okay. Aw, This next one, this one happened right after a war. Mother was talking, mother was walking my older sister, who was about three years old at the time. My older sister pointed into the forest and said, that's where you buried me. My mom was like, what? And the sister said, yeah, I was sick, remember? Then without showing any emotions, the mom freaked out, took her straight home. It turned out the mother had an older child who had passed away during the war due to an illness and lack of medical aid. Then it says, in edit, this was World War I, The spot that my older sister pointed out was the exact location where my mother's eldest daughter had been buried. That's creepy. This next one says, My son literally told me he was three and pretending to run over his Lego men when he stopped and said, That's how I died, isn't it? And she said, No, you've never died. And he said, Yes, I have. When I was two last time, the car car hit me. My other mommy cried, and then I came to you. He's a teen now, doesn't remember a thing about it. Yeah, he's a creepy kid is what he was. All right, this next one says, My son, now three, has been terrified of sharks since he could talk. He loves water, loves taking baths and the pool, but freaked out his first beach trip after my wife took him in the water. He started screaming about sharks, and she brought him back to our little spot. This was last summer, and the odd thing is, we have no idea how he could even know about sharks or something to even be afraid of. When we asked him why he was so afraid of them, he said they bit my leg off. I could feel their tongue with my foot. Do sharks have tongues? Wait. Do sharks have tongues? Hold on. I gotta Google. Do sharks have tongues? Do sharks have tongues? Sharks have a tongue, referred to as a bacillial. Basilial is a small thick piece of cartilage located on the floor of the mouth. Oh, the sharks do have tongues. The little bastard was right. I could feel their tongue with my foot. Also, a few weeks ago, my wife was going through pictures and showed him one of her at her elementary school. He said, see, that's where I went to school when I was young. Without hesitation, he said, I know I was. Oh, she said, that's where I went to school when I was young. And he said, without hesitation, I know I was watching you. To which my wife replied, you were watching me. Where were you watching me from? My son points to our skylight and says, all the way up there. Creepy little kid. Come on, man next one says, according to my parents, I did something like this when I was about two years old. We were in a waiting room of a restaurant, and I indicated that I wanted to be put on the bench of a piano that was against one wall. Apparently, I pressed a few keys to test what they, wa- what they did, then went into perfect playing posture, only pausing when I realized my foot didn't reach the pedals. After dinner, they asked me whether I'd ever played a piano before, and I said, oh yeah, I played a piano when I was a man. Up next, not a parent, but my mom told me this story. When she was in law school, her mother, my grandmother, brought her a string of pearls. My mother continued to wear this, stra- this same string of pearls long after graduation and long after her grandmother had died. My grandmother died two days after I was born in the same hospital. She got the chance to hold me once, during which time my father swears she transferred her soul into me. Creepy. Uh, one night when I was about three or four, I crawled into my mother's lap. She was wearing her pearls and I reached up to touch them. I looked her dead in the eye and said, I got these before. I got these for you before I was born. I got these for you before I was born. Then I went back to playing. My mom says she still gets goosebumps and thinks about that story. I also inherited my grandmother's love of the Packers despite never living in Green Bay. All right, weird and weird. Up next, let's keep going, uh, is a short one. When I was 10, I got hit by a car and died, and now I have to live over again. That's what her four-year-old boy said, and she said it's the creepiest thing he's ever said. He'll give random details, but it's always the same story. Next one says, when my then two-and-a-half-year-old daughter heard a loud boom, then jumped into a small low spot in our yard and yelled foxhole with a terrified look on her face. Now, she had never seen any World War II movies or movies about wars at all. Definitely had me curious. When my daughter was like four, she looked at me and said, we've been together as long as you've been on this earth, but I've been here a lot longer than you. Also, just after my mom died, I was having a rough day. She came over to me and said something to the likes of, time moves differently in the afterlife. What is a lifetime for you is only a blink, an, a blink of an eye for your mom. She had just turned seven when she said this. A little bit older than that one, that one, but still, you know, kind of creepy. But I kind of dig that. Time moves differently in the afterlife. What is an what is a lifetime for you is only a blink of an eye from your mom. Well, of course. I mean, that's, that's kind of a given, not for a seven-year-old to say, but it's kind of a given statement. You know, average lifespan, what, 80 years? What's 80 years compared to eternity? Yeah, it's a blink of an eye. But still, what are the rules? Come on, kids. Someone tell me what the freaking rules are. This next one says... Uh my son when he was about 3 we were in the car he said daddy do you remember when you used to be brothers? Now his dad played along and said he didn't remember that and my son said yeah I was the big brother and our mommy died so I went to work and take care of you. You told me that someday you would take care of me and now you're my daddy. Now he's done other things like that to indicate some kind of intuition or past life like tell his stepmom that her dad died of smoking which he did lung cancer and describe him perfectly. He had never seen a photo of the dad and didn't know anything about him. Stepmother and her father were estranged, and she never spoke to him. Creepy. Next one says, when my son was three years old, my husband decided to take him on an airplane tour of our small city. They booked a small tour. uh, They took a tour in a small three-seater plane. Pilot, my husband in the front, and room for the kid in the back. When they got out to the tarmac, though, our son pushed past the pilot and climbed into the pilot seat. When my husband told him he couldn't sit there because that was for the pilot, Our boy got very still and quietly said, it's because I crashed last time, isn't it? Then started to cry and shake his head and said almost yellingly, all those people died because of me. He then climbed down and started running back to the terminal in tears. My husband finally got him to settle down, explaining that his legs were too uh, short for his feet to reach the pedals and not because he crashed last time. So they headed back to the plane. They got settled in. Sitting in the back, my boy asked if he could have a headset which he received with the mic switched off. Now the pilot didn't tell him the mic was switched off though, so the little guy started doing his checks and trying to talk to the tower. Needless to say, the pilot was a little bit freaked out by this. He never did ask our son about what he was supposed to, about when he supposedly crashed a plane. 3 years later, we all headed to an aviation museum and our now 6-year-old son started talking to one of the curators about a certain type of World War II British plane. I was a bit surprised because we didn't have any books about planes in our house, and he'd never shown any interest in them before. Luckily for my son, though, the Aviation Museum was in the process of restoring one of the very planes that my son asked about, and they offered to let us have a quick look at it, even though it wasn't ready for display. Now, apparently a private collector had modernized the plane sometime in the 70s or so, so they were in the process of restoring it to its original condition. My son started pointing out several different items in the plane that he thought weren't right that had to be replaced. When asked how he knew this, he said he'd flown on these a few times when he was big. He couldn't tell us more except that he normally flew a different plane, he had crashed it because he made a mistake, and he also said that several innocent people died in the crash and that it wasn't their time to die yet. He got very sad and said he didn't want to talk about it anymore. When we asked about it again uh, when he was in his teens, he said he remembered the trip to the museum but didn't remember being big before. That one's cool. I like that one. A lot of detail on that one. This next one says, uh, I guess it's not a past life, but my grandmother is the mother of eight currently living boys. She had twins named Patrick and Francis that died a few days after they were born. Uh, then she had the eight boys one by one. No one in the family really knows much about Patrick and Francis, and we really don't talk about it. But when I was four... My parents and I were sitting in the hot tub in the backyard. I'd never heard anything about Patrick and Francis as far as my parents tell me. And yet that night we were able, when we were sitting in the hot tub, I pointed up the stars and said, there's my guardian angels. My parents were intrigued, but thought I was just talking like a normal four-year-old. So they said, oh yeah, who's that? And I said, Patrick and Francis, I met them in heaven. They told me that they were my guardian angels, that I should come live with this family. When I was a kid, I didn't understand why parents got so quiet and looked at each other, but they were stunned, and my grandparents were also shocked when I learned when when I had learned that Patrick and Francis had heard the story. I was kind of shocked at myself, too. Yeah, that's weird. That's a weird one. Kind of trails off uh, spelling errors towards the end, but very, very cool. This next one says, um, I grew up on a dairy farm when I was around two years old. My mom My mom said I would freak out whenever I saw a cow and would try to run away. In my 20s, I randomly met a psychic at a party. She looked me dead in the eyes and said, You were killed by a bull in your previous life. We had never spoken before. She didn't know anything about my fear of cows. And finally, my cousin died from a stray bullet in 92. Nine months after, his mother had another son, and in a few years, they visited the house where they had initially lived with my murdered cousin when he was around. The kid walks in the house like he owns the place, having never been there before in his life, and was like, oh yeah, mom slept here, sis slept here, we used to play cards here. Then he goes to the room where my deceased cousin slept and said, and this was my room. That's creepy. Well, there you go. There you have it. There are so many more of these stories. I mean, it's shocking how many reincarnation creepy kid stories there are on Reddit and on the internet in general. I guess it's not too surprising that UVA studies that there's 2,500 cases that they're, you know, studying, but, uh, crazy cool, right? Kids are creepy. Why do you people keep having them? It's beyond me. I mean, they say weird, creepy shit. And they, they say they used to be people that, you know, you used to love and know that's just bizarre. That's creepy as shit. And I, I dig everything about it, but, uh, I don't need a kid saying something weird to me. The kids, ghost kids are creepy enough. I don't need live kids saying ghostly like shit is all I'm saying. But uh, what do you guys think? Now, in in case you hadn't heard the other Reincarnation or Creepy Kids um, episodes, does this influence you at all? Does this change your mind about reincarnation? Does it make you believe in reincarnation anymore? How could some of these kids, not some of these, how could 99.9% of these kids know the information that they knew without prior knowledge. Like, how are they able to say these things? How are they able to know these things? How are they able to know about, like, planes and what they should and shouldn't have or do flight checks? There's something to it. There really is. And, again, I think science is going to be the thing that explains it. But uh, what do you guys think? Uh, Were you reincarnated? Did you ever say anything weird and creepy when you were a kid? Do you remember having a past life? Do you want to come back after this one? Do you want to do this all over again? Let me know. I'm kind of curious on this one. Do You know, I know I always ask questions at the end, and I very rarely get the answers, but on this one, I'm very kind of curious about this. What do you think the rules are? Who do you think writes the rules? Do you get to choose where you go? Are you pushed down by God when he gets tired of you? Like, what are the rules? All righty. Hope you guys like this one. I really enjoy episodes like this. Um. For a lot of reasons, but uh, it's creepy as shit, and I dig everything about it. Once again, I'm your host, Kurt Savick, and this has been another edition of Paranormal Almanac. Peter Krosny.